0: You can't spell inclusion without a D the podcast that explores the power of inclusion and why disability is an important part of the workplace diversity and inclusion conversation produced by the Ontario Disability Employment Network with your hosts, Jeanette Campbell and Dean Askin. Hi, I'm Dean Askin and welcome to this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I'm recording this show on a hot day in late July. My usual co-host Jeanette Campbell is taking a couple of days off to do some hiking. I just hope she has lots of water in her water bottle. So it's just me at the mic with you for this episode, episode number three. This is a bit of an impromptu episode and I'll tell you why. I had a conversation with Chad Noonan and Cynthia Sparring a couple of weeks ago for a blog post for the Odin blog. Cynthia is the Executive Director of Career Services of Brockville in Brockville, Ontario. Chad is the Corporate Engagement Specialist there. We had a great conversation about how virtual reality, or VR, is, in Ontario at least, about to burst on the scene in the disability employment sector. After I'd finished writing the post, I started thinking, you know, that interview I just did for this would make a great podcast episode. So here we are. Now, VR is mostly known in the realm of gamers. Well, Career Services spent the last three years building something called V-Job Ready. They knew they had something important, innovative and significant right from the start. And on July 6th this year, their efforts literally paid off, big the Ontario Ministry of Labour, Training and Skills Development awarded Career Services a $380,000 grant. Now, full disclosure here, this is really kind of exciting and cool for us at Odin. That's because Career Services of Brockville is one of our members in Eastern Ontario. Initially, VJob Ready is going to be used to help 160 job seekers across Ontario who have a disability get a feel for what it's like to work in the food and hospitality sector now career services strategically chose that sector as the first build for vjob ready and i have to say what timing for launching this module there's a desperate demand for restaurant staff right now ontario is reopening as we all start to find a new sense of normal in this pandemic indoor dining is allowed again But so many restaurant establishments are drastically understaffed which doesn't help them recover this first vr employment training starts at the end of september 2021 and goes through to the middle of march 2022 now this really is a big deal in the disability employment sector so grab your coffee sit back and listen to this conversation with cynthia and chad about what all this means for job seekers job training and V job ready future research and development. When you guys you know got the phone call or the email or whatever it was that you'd received this you know government money, like what, what was your initial reaction?
1: Well, um, I was extremely excited because this was a culmination of a vision we had um, three years ago. So um, we were kind of, You know, we work away on it, then sit on the shelf and we work away and sit on the shelf. So um, it was just super exciting to feel that all that time and effort and money that we had invested in um, this idea, this concept was finally coming to fruition that we'd actually finally see, um, you know, the real journey starts now because we're actually going to be able to help train individuals in this environment to help them become employed. So I think that's super exciting.
0: Tell me about that vision you had. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: So I sit on a board where um, it's an Employment Ontario board. And so about four years ago, um, the ED there brought this concept. She'd met this young man who um, was, um, you know, experimenting with virtual reality. And at that time it was a fairly new concept. Um, in terms of in our field. And so she um, was looking at a way to develop a product that they could um, sell through a subscription base and they were struggling with um, career exploration, you know, trying to get um, young people interested in the the trades, right. So they thought this might be a tool that they could, they could create this library of say 150 different Jobs, you know, careers that these high school kids, these people, you know, young people looking to move on to post secondary or trades or, you know, exploring a career could give it a try because they would see all these people, you know, follow career paths or try jobs or haven't found their passion or didn't like what they were doing. So they thought they could develop this where they were creating, you know, just these um, like little vignettes. Uh, this is what it would be like if you were a welder. This is what it would be like if you were a plumber and you would spend, you know, 10 minutes in that environment and kind of seeing, you know, what it was like. And um, so we thought it was exciting. And they, she brought us, the gentleman came and that I, I've never played video games or anything. And I never, I kind of seen a little bit on TV um so we tried they put the headsets on us and we I was on a dock fishing um was what we were doing and it was just interesting because we use in terms of the clients we help we talk about learning to help them fish you know sometimes we have to fish for them or teach them how to fish or you know and so we use that analogy so I'm sitting there let's talk fishing going I wonder if we could use this um, to train some of our folks that um, aren't quite ready for employment, right? That an environment where they can learn, but it would have to be a very, I mean, I wasn't looking at 150. I was looking at say maybe four or five um, and way more detail and actually teaching the skill as opposed to just exposing them to the experience. So I brought it back to our team just to say that am I wacky like is this is this something you think would work so we um we had Chad and Ryan who were um knew way more than I did about the whole technology and um Chad would you say like would you describe yourself as gamers is that a is that a thing is that a- I, yeah
2: I think no. I'm like I, I don't really game but I'm like up on what is in in the gaming world so I had, I did have that knowledge on on kind of like what could be done um, right. And obviously, we kind of dive right in and, and did even more research. And then, yeah, Cynthia will probably talk further about our, our study with Queen's University, which kind of gave us even more knowledge in mm-hmm. the whole uh, VR space and, and what it can do for the clients we serve.
1: And that was important for, like for me. It's like, yeah, you can have all this great idea, but until you get... And we, when we started looking to see what research had been done... Um, basically, only the research, they had done some research on um, people on the spectrum, and it was more around interviewing. There was a really good study done and it was helping them learn how to interview, the interview process. And so they found really good results by them practicing interviewing in the virtual reality environment. You would also argue um, anybody does much better at interviewing if they practice a role model. And we would do that with people, you know you record videotape them interviewing mm. and they can see themselves and so um, that didn't surprise me but it was it would uh, enable them to practice a bit more on their own time in this virtual reality and then it was used for um, daily living you know teaching them some basic fundamental skills so uh, but not a lot of um, a lot of research had been so we had some Information, but not a lot. So that's when we talked to Queen's University, and we thought, okay, let's just do a feasibility study to see because we work with neurodiverse people. Um, we work with people with learning disabilities, we work with people with developmental, intellectual, uh, mental health—you um, know, on the spectrum—you know, wide range. And then some of them are multi-barriered. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that was uh, we we spent. So then I had to go to the board. <laughs> and say, okay, we need about $60,000. That's what it costs us to do the study with Queens. And that first build, which was uh, made up of, comprised of a mini environment where you could learn how to use the technology in a very safe way. It was very non-threatening. It was a soothing art gallery. And it literally, for someone who had no concept of how to use a mouse or anything, right? Had never used a computer, didn't know anything to teach them, you know, raise your hand and then you could see how it worked, like the idea. So it was very simple, very fundamental. We, you you know, in that build it was the art gallery we use simple things like arrows and colors, you know, instead of turning right or left, you know, look at the green wall, look at the planter. Um, and we observed them in that environment to see if they could do it safely because if they had any balance issues or anything like that, then we wouldn't move on to the next step. But if they, uh, and there was a, Queens helped us, um, you know, the ethics and uh, the medical piece associated with virtual reality. You had to fill out this form first. And then if you um, were, you know, everything was uh, good to go after this form. We watched you, observed you in this art gallery. Um, some people pulled themselves out of it saying, no, this is making me nauseous or I'm not comfortable. Um, and then from there, we put them into a very fund- very basic kind of kitchen environment that was based on the specs from uh, Kelsey's kitchen. We uh, work with an employer here. So the designer went in and kind of scoped out and did the um, the layout, right, Chad? The layout of the
2: Kelsey kitchen? Yeah, we even took sound and audio and used the, the tools that they would use in a Kelsey's kitchen and, and mimicked it. There was there's a few tasks somebody could do cutting tomatoes, uh, making french fries, um, just like a couple tasks to see if we could if they could get the concept, but more for uh, us to see if this is a viable, a viable thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right.
1: So we, and I think we, how many people did we put through, Chad? 60? So
2: we ended up running 60 people through the study. Um, so we had our, our control group, we had uh, people with disabilities, newcomers to the country, um, learning disabilities, the age range was from 18 to 65. Um, and then a range of technology experience. So people that use tech every day in their job to some of our newcomers had never even owned a cell phone before. Um, And what we ended up finding in that study is that uh, the people in the the learning disability um, group fared better than any other group in the study. Um, We found that kind of knowledge of technology was more of a success indicator than disability. Um, so, you know, a lot of our clients that used iPads every day or had a cell phone did really well in VR. Um, yeah, so that was in, in, interesting. And then in the end, we found that yes, this was something viable that we could do for our clients. Um, and that was probably yeah. two, two and a half years ago now.
0: Yeah. At at what point, you know, did you say, you know what, we've got something really good here and we need to apply for some government funding. Did you, did you always know that you would apply for some government funding or was it like, was there an aha moment that said, you know what, we need to do this?
1: So I really felt from the beginning, this was something that was very viable but of course you had to go through the process right so I don't know what I would have done if the feasibility study came back saying nope this is the bust you know this doesn't work at all um so you know we we're obviously very happy but yeah no we just you know jumped on um just trying to find the funding because we just really felt that because as as all our services were transforming and uh um you know the um, the training period, like basically we moved from being able to uh, do an unpaid training placement within a private sector employee to um, not being able to do that. So then it was basically somebody you have to go in and um, interview and then, you know, maybe with a job coach with support or with training from, um, oh, yeah, can <laughs> I just saw my hands and what's going on? Um, that, um if they weren't ready for that. And a lot of our folks were, don't get me wrong, um, like last year in this COVID year, I mean, we found employment for 45 individuals um, with, uh, you know, disabilities. So, I mean, we did phenomenal, but we were having to turn away. There was every year we'd see five or 10 people that, even with an interview and coaching, they still, you know, needed some more support, some more learning. And in our past, um, we saw, we saw people that might take a year or two years learning on the job and then moving into employment. So we thought, what do we do with these folks? Like they're just, they're just, they're not gonna be able to move into that. Um, or we won't be able to help them um so we were just really passionate about getting this um and so we applied we looked all across canada foundations you know private funding we approached employers um you know government funding Lots of interest, you know, lots of uh, uh, private sector employers were super um, excited about it because they really saw it as a tool for training for not just people with, but all people, all their new staff. They realized the the cost of, you know, uh, not doing proper training, but also realizing that they train people, but they don't do it very well. Basically, an employer takes somebody on, throws them maybe with an experienced person, and we like we ask employers so how much time do you think somebody needs before they can work independently and a lot of times employers will say two shifts or 24 you know total of 24 hours or 40 hours and they should be able to be on their own so their expectations sometimes not realistic and i think they recognize that but you know not really and so what they do is just huge you know and a lot of essential work is just huge turnover um, and staff. And so I think they saw this as a really good potential, but again, no one was willing to invest in it. Um, but we just kept applying, kept applying. Um, and we would just, yeah, we would determine that somewhere along the line we would find the money. So when that skills fund development came along, it was really, um, it was a short turnaround. I don't know, Will you probably applied for funding, Right. Lots like normally it takes forever. We've done federal funding. Oh my God, you're, you know, you might be a year before you're here and then your negotiations for six months and oh my gosh, it's it's like a huge long process. Well, that funding um, application, it came out, I want to say mid March and you had two weeks and then you had to get it in and then you found out like the following week. So we were ready. I mean, we, even with all the information we had, we'd done the feasibility study, we'd done all these applications. We had, um, uh, you know, kept on top of the latest research that was moving forward. Even in the two years, uh, Chad can speak to this. Um, the technology we used to develop our kitchen, um, our, our small prototype is now almost archaic, right? Like we're using the new technology we bought. It's, uh, totally different. What we can do now is way more um, sophisticated. Um, So it was good because, you know, we've developed a lot, just keep chipping away at it. So we were able to put this uh, proposal together. And then um, over, um, you know, through Odin and conferences in the last couple of years, Chad's been really involved with um, lots of other organizations. So we recognize that um, if we could partner with different regions in the province, it would be just that much more um, robust um, ground for getting again, you know, further research. Um, Because what we found was not a lot of research has gone into employment and people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So um, actually this afternoon, I'm on a call with Queen's University to see if we can partner again with them to use this as more research information because this will be the empirical evidence. Um, We're putting 150 people through this experiential training, so this will give us huge data because at the end of the day, it's only going to work if the training happens and then it turns into jobs that they can transfer what they've learned from our module and how we designed it around how people learn and then transfer that skill into the kitchen with shortened time for supports on the job.
0: So given all of that, how important would you say being successful with your funding application is? What what does it mean? When what's it, What does it mean now and what's it going to mean?
1: So I think um, this is a platform, a springboard. I would use it more as a springboard. I think this is going to open up a whole new area of training um, for some folks that might need uh, a bit more support, a bit more uh, uh, environment where they're able to learn without the the anxiety of um, working in real time. And so it's critical that it's successful um, because then we want to do from this every day. Honestly, we're talking to people who give us two or three more ideas of some um, different builds that we could use this um, technology uh, for. So I think a lot of a lot will be resting on this and the success of this. Um, there'll be lots of eyes watching. Uh, where does this take us and how, how does this help spring forward us into employment? Um, and partnerships with employers, I think employers are really uh, And Chad, you might be able to speak more about the, from the employer perspective, Chad's been working with Tim Hortons, we've been working with 3M, Um, a lot of people are very interested in how this is going to turn out, would you say, Chad?
2: Yeah, for sure. There's definitely um, excitement around it. It's kind of from a job development side, it's something different and cool that I can talk to employers um, about but it's also employers see the value of um, engaging people um, with training um, like we talked to Tim Martins uh, just on on the fact that like this might be something different to get uh, new employees coming out of high school people just entering the workforce kind of over that that hump in training because I I even think like you know the local managers know that their training isn't perfect like the one-on-one with just you you pair them with a senior employee and then they they go off and kind of just learn what that employee does isn't kind of the perfect isn't a good system so they're they're looking for something else and, and maybe or hopefully this is it
0: now, right now the VG, the VGity module it's, it is, is the food and hospitality is that the sole module or are there others in development? because I know that I know that the food and hospitality sector is sort of the traditional sector where people you know try to help people who have a disability you know find you know regular employment and be part of the workforce but there's so many other sectors where people can work whether they have a disability or not. So is, it, is the money going to be used sort of just for the training or for R&D to develop, you know, new industry models or or what? Yeah,
2: so currently there is the, there is, we're doing the kitchen one, but that has a lot of aspects in it. Like the customer service uh, portion of it is huge. It's going to have a full robust uh, POS system, which obviously can transfer skills to other industry. But the, the long-term plan is, is to create other modules, Um, a retail setting. One is definitely uh, one we talked about. Um, What kind of other ones did we have?
1: Um, Well, we talked about more of a sophisticated customer service slash, you know, health and safety. Um, Just, uh, I don't want to say soft skills, but skills that would involve any type of employment that what, you know, what separates you from a, um, makes you a good employee, like the efficiency, how you approach your job, right? That's what we're very good at. We when we go in, we tear the job all apart and then re-engineer it to say this is the most efficient, this is the most productive way, this is the best way um, to help you do your job, because employers are terrible with that. So um, we're looking at those builds. And then um, of course we're looking at uh input from you know as people say have you thought of this idea so right now we kind of got the four fundamental um bills that we would like to do um, we have a lot of interest in this bill right and we're so right now we purchased equipment so what will be delivered in Ottawa Kingston our area Brockville and the Niagara area um we're working with Entech so those are the um pods that will uh you know, be able to influence on that first build, and so then over this next year, we'll gather data into feedback of you know what could be what um, what would be the a best next build. And what we've done with this one was we went out and talked to employers and surveyed, you know, where jobs are happening, what training is needed. So I think that would drive it a little bit too. Um, is uh, uh, where employment is happening and where training needs to happen and. Yeah, what it would look like. And it has to be the sophistication um, of how we're doing the build is incredibly, like we're working really closely with the company SimWave out of Ottawa. Um, And I think they're learning a lot from us and we're learning a lot from them in how this technology works and how we can layer in because we're using analytics behind the, uh, so every time someone goes in for training, so if they train, one day, two days, three days, they can see how they're improving. We'll have empirical evidence coming back saying, "Okay, this is you're getting faster, you're getting you know better quality, um, you're now you know making less mistakes, you're interacting more with your coworkers." Like it's all these things built into it. But the sophistication, and then what happens as they get better, we uh, we're working with a brain scientist who helps us understand in our build of how people learn. So we're doing it on an errorless learning. Um, module meaning that folks don't get penalized when they make a mistake so it's built on they can make a mistake and it's it's okay it's it's um yeah the platform is there to it's built for success so this there, really
0: this really could be a cornerstone especially in in the research area given the fact that there hasn't really been any new research about you know employment of people with disabilities since about you know, the late nineties or 2002, how much, how much do you see your success with this funding and the whole thing being cornerstone?
1: I think it's really important. And I think that we owe it to do the research. Uh, We're pioneers in this. We know like, so for years and years and years, we talked about how there's been no research. We have anecdotal evidence. Like I remember back in the nineties, working with these young men who graduated from high school, then went home living with their parents, staying there 27, 28, 29, then saying, oh, this is no good. I really want to work. And us saying, oh my God, they just lost eight years of their life. Living, you know, with their parents, not doing anything. Like, oh, could you imagine? So we were saying we need to get into the high schools. We need to get into, you know, people need to do summer employment. That's, but you know, nobody wanted to invest in that. So because we have a business model where we uh, earn our own money, we were able to start about ten years ago. We started going into the high schools, um, working with young people to get them summer jobs because we said we want to work with them when they get out of high school. That we've worked with them over the summers you know, being exposed to employment. um, So you're not behind the eight ball. So, I mean, we've all, and and then we've recognized that when we got into this, that research isn't being done. So I think that's our, um, one of our responsibilities is to push this research forward and to um, make sure that the research happens and to be part of it. And this year that will be, that's why we're we're gonna approach Queens and our organization will, pick up the cost of doing that research. Cause I think it's important that it's all fine and good to come out and say successful, you know, X amount of people got jobs, um, but it's even more impactful if you have a research project behind it, you know, that we're able to cite that's published that's saying, yeah, this is really good data. And then that, that can be used. Cause we know funders now, you know, it's all based on um, proven track records and empirical evidence measurables, right. all those things. So we want to make sure um, uh, what we're doing, we're just not spinning our wheels, that this is really something that's going to move. You have to see someone move from A to B to C. It might take a little more time, but as long as you're seeing the movement and you're seeing people progress, that's what, as opposed to just same old, same old. Um, and I, he- I hear what you're saying is that um, and that's the pushback we do get is, oh, you know, well, oh, that's where you park people, you know, with, with barriers in the, the hospitality sector. And um, we don't do that. I mean, we're very individualized and the folks that are working in this sector is because they want to they've expressed an interest and we've tried them out in jobs and we supported them and and they say, yeah, this is what I want to do. We have a lot of people that there might be an opportunity and they try and they say, this isn't for me. I know that for a fact. I worked as a waitress one summer. I hated it. I came out of there going, oh my God, I hate waitressing. I never want to do it again. I tip my waitresses very well because I know what a stressful, hard environment. And I learned that by working as a waitress one summer. So if you told me that was the only job I could have, like I probably wouldn't be working. So we know the importance of trying something and not liking it and then moving on. But you also, I don't, I think it's not fair to dismiss it either. I think we we need to get, and that's the beauty about this training. People can try it and make an informed choice. And we wanna make it very realistic that if restaurant, food, hospitality is not their thing, They'll be able to try it and say, yeah, no, I'm ready to move on. And and so ideally, if we could get four or five builds, which really in each build, like Chad said, Even though this is food and hospitality, we're trying to customer service and the point of sale and other things in it that they say, I'm not really interested in the kitchen, but I think I would like to do the front part. You know, I think I would be great in a hotel where they have continental breakfasts, you know, welcoming people and keeping that area clean and making sure there's enough food, but I'm interacting with people like we want to design it so each build kind of. Even though it's a core something, there's other things built into it so people can explore as much as possible in these environments.
0: So so that people can, so that there's the, it sounds like you're saying like there's a core set of skills that you can help people learn that are transferable between, you know, retail, hospitality, mining, healthcare, or whatever.
1: Right, yes.
0: If, If you hadn't received this funding, what would have happened? I think, would you have just said, you know what? We'll just keep, we'll just keep applying. What if what have, Would have affected anything in your ability to like do what you're doing? Or would you have just said, you know, been doggedly determined. So we're going to keep going and trying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we would determine <laughs> money. Yeah. It, and it's like, um, because we've been transforming our service, we bought a business, we've been developing a manufacturing business. We did this strategic plan that was really ambitious and, um, so we've just been very uh, specific and strategic about everything we developed, but we've never lost sight of this um, piece that we wanted to develop. So we always had eyes on this. We, you know, we have a spreadsheet where, like, it's a list of maybe fifty different foundations, private sector, government funding, federal, provincial. Um, we we're, you know, looking at maybe a partnership. Um, if we invested some money, you had a private sector, and then you get a level of. Go- we were just trying everything. So I. As long as I was in charge, I was determined <laughs> <laughs> to you. Um, you know, find it somewhere. Like what, we were just gonna find it
0: somewhere. What does being successful in this funding application mean to each of you, sort of on a on a personal level, given all the time and resources and you know that you've given your all to this?
1: Chad, you wanna talk first?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely something that that builds across the province. Um, obviously, for us, it's uh, like from from my end, job development, and it's it's jobs people people being able to walk into a career, kind of that first day, and have more confidence because they've been in the kitchen. Um, can can speak to certain skills that they've learned in VR, um, and then to see this project grow. Um, you know, across across Ontario, more uh, nonprofits. You know, more schools using this technology um, to help people along.
0: So it's very so it's very rewarding to see it.
2: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. It's it's reward just to even see where it's at now. Like we, from our first test, you know, a few success stories that we have are very rewarding. Like we had a you know, a guy who went and worked in the kitchen at a golf course after trying our, our VR is one we we speak to. Um, and I definitely think that VR experience helped him understand a little more of the nuances, the ins and outs of working in a, in a kitchen setting. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Cynthia, what does it mean to you? I mean, given the fact that, you know, you're the one who said let's go do this feasibility study and we got to find out whether this is going to work. And now you've seen, you know, the results of all your, your efforts.
1: So I think I'm most excited. I've been with our organization a long time. We've always been pioneers in everything we've done. We've always been ahead of the curve, but we've never lost sight of historically. We're just here finding one person, one job at a time. There's no magic. There's no just working with individuals, what they want to do. Um, but we're very, very, very good at job coaching. We are incredibly, um, nuanced in how we coach. So what we're doing when we develop this technology, I feel like it's a bit of a legacy for me, if you know, this turns it's very successful and it's an evolution of how we can offer our training um, and um, broaden our um, business side of how we do things. But we haven't left behind the, we're developing a manual for job coaching. That's like a, a sister part of this module so that it teaches people, especially new people coming into the field, how to job coach in an efficient manner because um, they can, the career practitioner can practice their skills as the person's in the training environment. They can coach them in a way that's, um, uh, you know, non-threatening, um, help, you know, help somebody learn how to do the job efficiently. If they can't, if they don't have the ability or the skill, how can, because um, that's what we do all the time. We use performance aids and just because someone, you um, uh, you know, in a restaurant, it's all about the, the uh, there's a name for it where you um, like the food first in, you know, the salads and then, uh, you know, 24 hours are going to be thrown out or coffee is thrown out. So we developed this system, this performance aid that you don't need to do math. You don't need to be able to, it's you just, it's like, it's a cheat sheet almost. So if this is the date or this is the hour, this is when it has to go out. And so we develop these tools that uh, when we go into employers, they use it for everybody because it's just such an efficient way and it's uh, errorless. Again, people don't make mistakes. So it's, it's using that tried and true and what works best. But take evolving it into um, the 21st century and using technology so they complement each other so we're not losing what we're really good at we're just um bringing the two together to be, be more impactful for our folks and and,
0: and 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 being awarded government funding is going to help you capitalize on all of
1: that and yes. take it to the next yes. level yes absolutely
0: did you did you did your team I know there was all just a two-week window to sort of get the application in. Did you did you write the application yourselves or did you, you know, some organizations sometimes they hire a professional grant writer. Did you guys have to do that or did you just put everything into it yourselves?
1: Yeah, no, we spent that week. We were here till, yeah, 10 o'clock every night and it was due Sunday night. We worked, we were here three o'clock. I got, so I left Saturday, probably here about 9.30. Um, the main, the... Uh, Wendy, who w- was doing a lot of putting it together in the proposal, she left here at three in the morning. I was back on Sunday at nine. She maybe came in. She probably got about four or five hours sleep. Um, so we there was the four of us, Chad and uh, Ryan. Um, a lot of it we had, uh, you know, um, applied for others application so you know there's some stuff that's like shelf ready you can uh, manipulate a little bit but then uh there was very specific to these project dollars so um uh, we had to you know massage some of the stuff and and it was interesting the uh application they would ask the same question five different ways mm-hmm. So you had to really make sure that, you know, the essence of how you're answering it was true. It wasn't like you're answering it different every time. So it was a lot of, you know, going back and forth and checking because like, okay, well, why are they asking this again? Didn't we just answer this? And then you go, oh, okay, I guess they're answering it from maybe a little asking it from a different perspective. So there was a lot of uh, working back and forth with each other. And it was intense. I could see, and this is on top of in the middle of a pandemic. This was back in March when we were going into close down again, and you know everything going on, and so I could see why a lot. Yeah, a lot of, I was at a meeting um, with part of the EO where they're going through the whole SSM process. And they were talking about how ridiculous it was such a short turnaround and did anybody apply and nobody applied because who has the time and on and on about, you know, and I said, well, we applied. I just <laughs> said, you know, we just, this, this was like, we're going to make it work. So literally it was 24 seven for about six days. That uh, So we, so we really Worked hard, and I I was ecstatic that we got the funding. But it just really really reinforced how hard we worked too. I think it um, it came out. I think if we would have hired someone to do it, the uh, passion and the heartfelt um, intensity of it wouldn't have been there.
0: And and your passion and and and, and all that heartfelt that 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 comes across in in the way yeah. you, in the way in the way you talk about it. What's your What's your best advice to other agencies and and employment service providers who might be you know looking at you know whether they're developing some some technology or whether they've got something that they think is worth going for some some government funding what's your best advice
1: oh I don't know I would just I mean I would just yeah if you're if you believe in it just you just stick with it and try different. Reach out to uh, you know across the regions. Reach out to like-minded agencies. Seek them out. Have conversations. But just you know, just keep at it because um, you no, know, I find sometimes in our sector. We're a little bit as you know in employment is like oh isn't that nice to have if they can get a little bit of employment so i think we have to fight we have to fight to be just as important as all as all groups that are looking for employment mm-hmm. and i think it's up to us to raise the bar to say we're as deserving of the money as um you know uh people who are going you know looking at high-end other you know careers that whatever, you know, acquiring 15 years of school, it's as important um, for our folks to uh, not be an afterthought. And so I think we just pour the passion of what we believe and what we're doing. And um, I think it comes across in, uh, and just not be afraid to just go after, you know, funding anywhere. Don't just think of the the provincial and the federal ones we tend to, um, but I think this one really put us over the top because we partnered with the different regions. I think that really um, spoke to other areas believing in um, this project too.
0: I mean, you know, you've put through funding uh, applications before. So as you say, you had some, you know, some some things on the shelf that you could modify. What if somebody wants to apply for funding, but they've they've never done it before? I guess it can be really intimidating. What would you say to them?
2: Get yourself a Wendy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. It, you know what? We work best. With it. We have a team, honestly, and we all think very differently and we, we meet and we come together and we hash out stuff, but it's like, just build the straw dog, like build it, you know, to rip it apart. Don't be afraid of that process. Um, because it's worked really well for us. Yeah. So um, if you just don't put one person in charge because uh, I know that's what a lot of organizations have their project, you know, person and mm-hmm. they kind of sit in a isolation and write up, you know, this and trying to fix. And that's the other thing I would say, don't try and fit in the box. Be broad, be expansive, be sky's the limit idea. And if you're going for funding, that's like, you know what? This isn't going to work like this. Just you just try it because we did go after we tried funding that it really wasn't a good uh, good alignment, but you're so desperate for money that you just you start, you know, okay, well, we can make it this way. And and when you start going down that road too much, it's like this isn't going to be successful because they're trying to be too prescriptive. Um, And we know what we're doing. We know how to do it. We know what the essence of this. Um, um, application is, what we want to do. So don't sell your dream to just fit a proposal. Don't be afraid to pass one by if it's too, you know, too too prescriptive, I would say.
0: It's like the old sales and marketing thing is don't use the shotgun approach. Target your... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Have, have we covered all the essentials? Is there anything I haven't asked that you think is important to mention? I think
2: we covered it. I think the only the only thing is kind of like going forward and um is that it's coming out our new build should be ready uh september um yeah we're, we're kind of the other organizations have the the technology in their hands now and are like working through just like how to use it and stuff so we'll be able once we get everything going it'll be definitely um, a hit the ground running approach with uh, running participants through, hopefully schools are are rocking and rolling and open, and we can get we can get in there, start getting students through as well, um, and then getting people in the jobs. So definitely, once this build is done, it's going to be hit the ground running. So, which is good.
1: And the one thing I would say that this, even though it's leading edge technology in 21st century, you know, we talk about old gamers use this. We really did this build so that everybody could have access to it. It doesn't matter if you're a newcomer to the country that's, you know, in your 50s and don't really know how to operate a computer, you can still be introduced to this technology and get the feel for our culture. And it works for that group. It works for, um, you know, um, we have the uh, deaf population that have really shown interest in this when we were doing the feasibility study. Um, we have like just uh, the uh, we've just had a conversation with a group in um Uh, Ottawa that specializes in autism and they are just over the moon about this technology for their folks because um, they that's an environment this environment uh, virtual reality works really 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 well for people on the spectrum um and so it's just it's not just like for young people or certain it it's it's across the board for everyone who wants to be exposed to a work environment in a little more supportive setting that's not so frightening
2: yeah and there our headsets are supported through oculus which is a commercial it's owned by facebook so it's a commercial readily available you can buy the the vr set at best buy or any tech store so in that sense it's not you don't need this huge system to run it it's a simple headset two controllers that are going to be as common as an xbox in a couple of years wow uh, it's it's definitely it's a commercial Technology, so people will be and agencies will be able to to get that that part of it. So yeah,
0: that's great. Well, Well, thank you very much. You guys have been great this morning. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation. I know I was jazzed in that interview, just hearing the passion and dedication in Cynthia's and Chad's voices about this. Well, on that note, we're at the end of the show. Jeanette will be back in her chair and at the mic with me for our next episode. Until then, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for listening to this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. I'm Dean Askin. You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D is produced in Toronto, Canada by the Ontario Disability Employment Network. All rights reserved. Our podcast production team, executive producer and host, Jeanette Campbell. Producer is Sue Defoe. Associate producer and host, Dean Askin. Audio Editing Productions by Dean Asker. Our podcast theme is Last Summer by Ixon. If you have feedback or comments about an episode, contact us at info at That's info at O-D-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K kcom You can't spell inclusion without a D. Join us each episode for insights from expert guests as we explore the power of inclusion the business benefits of disability-inclusive hiring and why disability is an important part of the workplace diversity and inclusion conversation from all the angles.